know it's been a bit, but we're back. Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show is back. We had to wait for this episode just a little bit longer than we wanted to, but here we are. Welcome to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund, joined by my co-host, J.O., and our discussion today will be TNA Sacrifice 2010. We will be reviewing the show, going over each match, grading each match from this show back in 2010. It took place May 16th, 2010. And uh, J.O., I know you, I don't think you're too familiar with TNA. Um, so no, tell me what you know about TNA. TNA, right? So before I was too big into wrestling, I knew, of course, everyone knows what WWE was. But I remember, you know, just scrolling through TV when I was a kid and scrolling through. And I think, you know, at this time they were still on Spike TV, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I remember just uh, stopping it there because I now just wanted to see what wrestling was about. And I didn't say I watched a whole lot of episodes, but anytime it was on, I don't even remember what day it, they were on well, TV. They, this era, they tried to do Mondays for a bit. They quickly went back to Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a smart move on their part. But I'd tune in every now and then just for a little bit when I started getting the idea of when they were on. And I, st I got a very, very brief knowledge of the company and who they had. Cause I definitely remember hearing a lot of the uh, main event mafia. I remember they were a big thing for a while. Uh, Samoa Joe and believe it or not, tuning into TNA when I was younger was actually the first time I ever heard sting. Like that was the first time I, I ever heard about sting. Wow. That's, that tells that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that tells you how little I knew about wrestling when I was younger. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, I knew I knew it was a thing, of course, but you know, not not too in depth. I knew Hulk Hogan was there for a little bit, uh, Booker T, uh, Ric Flair, but yeah, not not a, not an expert. I'll say, uh, just very slightly above a noob, maybe. And during this era, I watched. I think I watched this pretty much every week. I watched TNA every single week. It was, this is where I really actually started watching, watching this. Cause I think I was like, Oh wait, Oh nine, maybe Oh nine. That I started watching a little bit, but then 2000 by 2010, I'm watching every single week uh, watching this on spike. By the way, we apologize for not getting this episode up sooner. Um, we had a little bit, we had to sacrifice a little bit of our time. We had Jo had work, uh, Work, uh, well, what would, what would, I can't even think of the word work, uh, conflicts. That's what it is. Work, work conflicts. Um, it's just some scheduling conflicts we had to deal with and we were able, we had to sacrifice a little bit to get to this episode for TNA sacrifice 2010. And, uh, there's plenty of stuff on this show. This took place at the impact zone, May 16th, 2010, 1100 in attendance in Orlando, Florida, as we get ready to review this show. This, this card had nine matches on it. Some really good ones listed on there. You, you think, okay, this, this card's going to be pretty damn good. Pretty damn yeah. good. And I'm like, all they right, it's got some big names on here. We look, it looks like, okay, RVD and AJ Styles in the main event. That's, that's, that's going to be a certified banger for sure, you would think. You would think that. We'll get into that later. 
But uh, the first match on the card, the opener, they're going to start out hot. Triple threat, number one contenders tag team match. Winner will face the TNA World Tag Team Champions, which were Scott Hall and Kevin Nash at the time. It was the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin versus Beer Money Inc., Bobby Roode and James Storm versus Team 3D, Brother Ray and Brother Devon. And uh, so this tag division at this time, J.O., just to give you a little bit of idea, their tag division was the best in the world at that point, I think. One of the best in the world. But really? these three teams really stood – these were the three major teams in that division. They also at this time actually – one thing <laughs> leading to the future, but uh, the Young Bucks are in this division too as well. They are known as the uh, – as Generation Me super young young bucks team they'll be involved in a feud with motor city machine guns later in the year but yeah this tag division was pretty damn good at these point this point these are like the three major teams here oh wow so the young bucks was signed to tna during this pay-per-view yeah but they yeah they weren't didn't appear on the show but they are they were they were part of tna at this point because they had appeared uh just two months earlier at the destination x 2010 pay-per-view and i think they faced uh the, the, the Motor City Machine Guns in an Ultimate X match. Wow. Okay. That's that's crazy to think about. I had no idea. And these, um, th- and those th- two teams had some bangers later on, just letting you know. And I, I forgot to mention in that list was anytime I would tune in for a little bit, uh, I do remember hearing the names, the Motor City Machine Guns, quite a lot, like the few times I, I watched. So I knew they were always always up there on the main on the on the title scene for the tag division. And the crazy thing is they didn't win the titles until like later on this year. Like a couple months a couple months down the road, they didn't win the tag titles until then. That was their first time holding them and like I think it was 2010. Wow. Yeah. But uh, this match, this match starts out pretty hot. Uh, we get at one point Shelly like the Motor City Machine Guns are known for their fast and quick. It's like very crisp offense. Um, Shelly feigns a super kick at one point. Storm, Lance, not Lance Storm, Shane Storms drops out of the ring, eats a cut to the gut. Um, inverted atomic drop by Shelly, low drop kick by Saban, last chancery by Shelly, and then a basement drop kick to Rude's face by the guns. This was freaking, like I, I had it written on here, freaking crisp. It was a nice match. And I guess, you know, with me just really focusing on WWE when I continued watching, but, you know, WWE always had that problem of not focusing on their tag division, like their tag titles. So seeing a match like this, I thought was really nice. Because I can't even, I'm trying to remember, when was the last time we saw a triple threat tag team match in WWE? So seeing something like this was a nice, was really nice for me, at least. Yeah, and you, you don't know much about the Motor City Machine Guns, really. You, how, like, what were your thoughts on the, them during this match? I'm always a big fan of high pace athletic, you know, performers. So I, you know, I really liked seeing them and it's, you know, even though I've heard of the name before, I never really paid enough attention to see who they actually were whenever they were being talked about. So it was really nice to finally put together like, Oh, that's who they were talking about all those years ago, every time I'm watching, but I I liked them. Yeah. And then we get like, at one point we get big motor city chance. Um, there's multiple blind tags during the match. Uh, Ray 
takes advantage of Saban after a big boot, sidewalk, slam, leg drop combo by Team 3D. Um, Shelly then makes the save on the pin. There's a leg lariat from Saban. Goes for the slingshot. Ray moves out of the way. Uh, power slam, then a leg drop by Devon. Rude breaks up the pin. And eventually, Shelly gets neutralized after Beer Money hits their double-team suplex, and they do the Beer Money thing, which was pretty cool, by the way. Um, that was pretty over at that point. Um, I think he, I think they were I think they were still heels at that point, Beer Money was. So after Shelly gets neutralized, he avoids Storm in the corner, uh, sh- kicks him. Shelly kicks off Rude, counters a back suplex, crawls between Rude's leg, which was legs, Rude's legs, which was pretty cool to see. And then uh, Saban tags in. And then at one point, the, everything just breaks down. I'm confused. I don't know who's legal at this point. It's one of those situations where I'm like, I don't even know what's going on here. Um, one of those. It, there was a nasty tornado DDT by uh, Rude back in the ring by, I think it was, it was a Saban. It was that. That was nasty. Rude had a great sell there. Um, so when the six men are in the ring, uh, Bubba Ray, Brother Ray, as they like to call him at this point, a bionic elbow to Storm, Dudleyville device to Rude. Um, the Saban hit a springboard crossbody to Ray, who isn't, I don't think it's legal at this point. <laughs> I couldn't, I see, I couldn't even tell who was legal, but eventually Rude hits a spine buster on uh, Brother Ray, then a neck breaker splash combo after a double team in the corner by the guns onto Brother Ray. It's named Skull and Bones. It gives them the three count and the win at 13 minutes and 13 seconds. And, uh, man, this is a fun way to kick off the show. It definitely was. And it was nice seeing uh, Bobby Roode before he was glorious. It was nice. It was cool seeing him like that because I knew he was part of TNA and I, I knew – uh, who beer money was again one of the people i remember hearing about when i watched it back then so it was cool seeing that he is the longest reigning tna world heavyweight champion of all time i'm pretty sure rude is for how long it's like 280 days or something like that wow okay tna title okay. reigns didn't typically last very long and if i remember correctly his partner in beer money debuted at nxt a while back but actually never wrestled he he wrestled like one match and then never match, went there. Never there. I think I yeah because I remember uh, hearing about that. So yeah, I was thinking about that when I saw when I saw the tag team. But uh, I think I, I gave it a I gave it a B grade. I thought it was a great start to the show. I the only thing I didn't really like about this was the tag rules were pretty loose here by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Why is the ref there at the end? You know, if they're just kind of whatever happens, happens. But I, I agree. I, I gave it a B. It was a solid match. I, that's, yeah, a good start to the show and everything, showcasing the tag division. Um, so, yep, Motor City Machine Guns win, and uh, they will – they'll take on – well, they'll take on the winner of the later match, at least. That's what they were – the plan was to do, but uh, – Motor City Machine Guns, by the way, they've, they've teamed recently. I think they're still teaming in Impact as well. They Impact Wrestling now. Still there. They still do it from time to time. They team there. Wow, okay. And Shelly was actually, I just watched a documentary on him on uh, Independent Wrestling 
TV, IWTV. Uh, definitely check out. It's a three-part documentary called The Life of Alex Shelley. Really cool, by the way. But, uh, yep, Shelley's been the independent wrestling uh, world champion. Uh, held it last year, I think, until early this year. But, uh, yeah, he was independent wrestling world champion, IWTV. Um, so, yeah, they Motor City Machine Gun's still going strong 12 years later singles and in uh tag team as well respect to them and one thing i had to say about taz he looked good here they showed taz they went to the commentary table afterward taz is looking sharp black coat gray stripes and the orange pocket square and uh really like that oh i'm glad you bring that up because i definitely wanted to find a way to say man i love taz on commentary even when he was in WWE, he was amazing at it. And for me, I think there's a nostalgia to it because Taz was on commentary on the SmackDown versus Raw PlayStation games. games and he was on commentary there. He's just so good on commentary. I, I, yeah, I've always loved Taz. I like him now in AEW. I wish he was a permanent color commentator, to be honest. Like on not just Rampage, but Dynamite. He's good enough to do both. But uh, Taz has always been he's he well he know like he knows so much like he doesn't know just wrestling he knows mma and other stuff mixes it in and clap and like uses it all in his uh color commentary and i i, I just like the way he way he articulates things i would put him up close i'm not saying so the person i'm about to say i'm not saying saying he's better than taz i think they're pretty close I think Corey Graves is just about as good as Taz is now. Like Corey Graves now, I, I think so, in terms of how he can articulate things. Kind of, and I that's coming from a wrestler's perspective too, which helps. I don't agree necessarily with that, but I, I get I get where you're. I get the uh, comparison in a way. So yeah, of course, of course. And uh, they talk about the focus with Mike Tanay and. Uh, they talk about the TNA world title being the focus of tonight. That was kind of the hype of the show at the beginning. Uh, big news. There's a false accus- accusation by Desmond Wolf and Chelsea. Desmond Wolf, also known as Nigel McGinnis, um, is uh, working. There's a there's an accusation because he apparently he hit Chelsea. And it was revealed Abyss was innocent and cleared of all charges. And they're investigating Chelsea and Wolf. For false police report, which leads us into our next match, TNA Global Championship match. Rob Terry, the defending, reigning defending TNA Global Championship championship holder. This was also known as the Legend title, Legends title at one point. They could not figure out the name for this title. He takes on Orlando Jordan, who's in his flamboyant stage here in uh, TNA. Um, this, I think this is a little late for Orlando Jordan because he his his run was like hot not the hot the most not popular I wouldn't say popular but the most uh, well I can't even think of the word right now but the most uh, notable thing he did was in WWE he beat John Cena for the U.S. title but I thought his like time frame it was, this is really, this is way too late to capitalize off of any momentum he had. Cause he had zero momentum coming into TNA. 
Right. And I remember I asked you if he uh, was known as anything else or any, or any other uh, characters because the name sounded familiar. But then when you were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, he was the one who beat John Cena, which is a pretty huge thing to do no matter what era it is in wrestling. I mean, it's John Cena. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> slow burn, a little late to the party kind of thing. Yeah, so this Orla- the lead-up to this one was Orlando attacking Rob Terry on his talk show called The uh, Ozone. And it's the Battle of the Freaks as they're tabbing it. Nickname for that's the nickname for Rob Terry. Um, Orlando, the entrance, the entrance for Orlando Jordan. Can you explain this, Jo? I mean, this is very creative, by the way, though. Okay, I guess we could. Uh, I'll spoil myself, you know, for a so-so match. You know, there's you got to have some way to you know get attention. So I guess having a entrance like that is a good way to do it like he repelled from the ceiling with these like i can't i can't even think of the word for him but it's like something like a i don't know like a dancer or somebody would use to like hang themselves up and kind of dance and stuff and move around freely and all that kind of thing but uh commentary on this calls him very flamboyant uh orlando comes out in gold attire not much to this match. It's went about eight minutes. Um, Rob Terry's destroying him at the beginning of the match. Eventually, um, uh, Jordan attacks the knee of Rob Terry. He's just on it. He's just on, all over it. And uh, he's in complete control. But then the match pretty much ends out of nowhere. The match literally ends out of nowhere. Uh, at one point, Jordan does slam the knee I think he slammed. That's after the match, but uh, so there's a knee drop. This is pretty much the yeah. end of the match. So he's attacking the knee. Jordan's all over the knee. Knee drop onto Terry. Jordan mounts Terry on a pin attempt, very sexually, and then Jordan heads to the second rope, takes his knee pad down, stands there, and misses with the knee drop. Very obvious miss that was gonna. It, he was not gonna get there. And then the freak buster hits. It's a big spine buster, and Terry retains in about eight minutes. This match was not very good. I got the story they were getting across. And Terry looks like one of those prototypical Jack WWE wrestlers from the 80s and 90s. Just very big, very muscular, but really can't wrestle that well. He cannot move. (laughs) Actually, I I think I may have said he can move a little bit, but I don't know. He was not moving all that great. He's kind of robotic in the way he moves. This dude is like beyond jacked like just ridiculously jacked but uh i gave this match a c i didn't mind it it, it wasn't great and i also thought terry they had terry sold, sell for way too long just hit one move and win i hated i didn't like the finish at all there was no build up to the finish it was just oh he got up hit the move got out of there out of there saying so earn their paycheck <laughs> but uh if you remember my rule is as long as they just, as long as it's not bot city and they are able to perform C is usually my default. And that's what I gave these guys is a C. It wasn't like anything super offensive. It was just, eh. no. it was just there. It, wasn't it happened. I gave, yeah, I gave it a C as well. 
So, but we get post-match Jordan attacking him from behind on the ramp. As I said earlier, slams his knee on the title belt on the ramp. And now we're cutting to backstage with team 3d ink, ink, the team of Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore saying good match. Ray's talking about the beer in his eyes that got spit during the uh, tag team match. I forgot to mention that, but uh, in our, my explanation of the, the breakdown of the tag match, but Bray got the beer spit in his eyes by beer money. Uh, both Ray and Devon wish ink, ink, the good luck. But uh, B- Bubba Ray is saying there's still bad lo- blood with the band, which team 3d is feuding with sort of in a way. And they'll try to take it out on you. Moore says the book of Dilly Gaff, which is, do I look like I give a, you know what? Says you're going mm-hmm. to, you're, you're looking at the new tag champs. So Ray says, now they're saying they'll take care of us. Right. He was like all confused. And apparently Neil said that to Ray. Devon's like, Ray, but brother Ray is overreacting. He's, Devon mentions that exact thing to him, but, uh, it leads into something later on the night. Spoiler alert, everybody. We get Doug Williams up next with taking on Kazarian, the current TNA X Division champion for the mm-hmm. title. And the funny thing about this match, so the, here's the build. Doug Williams had to be stripped of the X Division title due to travel condition, uh, conditions. Uh, so it's a vacant title at TNA Lockdown the month prior. So Kazarian wins it at Lockdown. Against Shannon Moore and a ho- Shannon Moore and Homicide in a three-way, and uh, pretty much that's it. Williams is in possession of the title; he never gave it up. So Kazarian's the champ, and he's not held the belt ever. But so we have Kazarian and Williams here. We get some mat-based wrestling to start, and Tanae has Tanae tells a great story during this match. Actually, at the beginning. He's talking about Kazarian, how he's traveled from California to Massachusetts to train with Killer Kowalski. And then today's talking about how he did an autograph signing in California at one point. And Kazarian told him he would be calling his matches one day, which is a little cool nugget in there as well. Mm-hmm. And what TNA also did very well before these matches was kind of give you the story. So if you missed the TV and all that stuff, you got you got pretty much caught up to speed with these pay-per-views, even though you're just, if, you, if you missed the TV stuff leading up to this. Which is my situation because I did not watch this pay-per-view when it aired 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but they, 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 do you think they did a really good job with that? I'd say, yeah. You know, it didn't look that, it didn't, to me, it didn't feel like it had like the video package quality that WWE had or has right now. But, you know, I was still able to see like, oh, okay, that's why they hate each other. Or it's like, oh, so that's, you know, the story going in. So I thought, I thought it did his job. And they did the bullet points too before matches too as well. Right. That is something um, uh, that I noticed too. I thought it was really cool. And okay. So perfect segue, Sig Daddy. So anytime I do a pay-per-view review, you know, I don't look anything up. You know, I want to come into a blind, like no, no expectations. So one thing I did know about the X division in TNA was the match that they do with the X, the X championship with, you know, the, the X above the ring and they have to get, yes. And I, I guess I kind of assumed that this match was going to be that. So I was actually really excited for that. 
and then I even saw in one of the bullet points it said it was X Division rules or something. So I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those matches where they're going to hop onto the rope and try to grab the belt. But it actually wasn't like that. No. So when do you, when, when do they pull that out? Because I thought that was like Destination for all X. X. Just Destination X? They, they'll do it different. They'll Yeah, Destination X is where they usually pull out. Like I, I was telling you earlier with the Bucks and uh, the, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, they had that kind of match too there. Okay, because I knew X Division was, you know, at the time, their cruiserweight. So I, you know, I, I guess I kind of assumed they did that all the time. So I don't know. I was kind of, I was a little bummed when I found out. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be that kind of match. It's give or take kind of when it, they talk about cruiserweight. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits pretty much, which is kind of a confusing tagline, by the way. But they, so the main feud, so the X Division title had, pretty good legacy because in 05 they had a, they had a run of matches with styles daniels and samoa joe it was just epic some of the greatest matches you'll ever see with especially at the unbreakable three-way in 2005 so but yeah it's about no limits uh, i guess that's the tagline it's kind of confusing but anyway so doug williams here if you're not familiar with doug williams he is the anti-X Division wrestler. Mm. Ground-based wrestler. He's not going to go to the top rope hardly ever. He's not going to take the air. He's going to have a grounded approach here. And so early on in this match, Kazarian, he uses a little bit of Doug Williams' strategy, kind of that kind of way. And uh, he hangs Doug Williams' arm on the rope. Um He's working the arm multiple times throughout the match. He even gets a Romero special, a variation of it on him. Um, he heads to the top rope with Doug. Doug knocks him off with Kaz hitting his head on the ramp in the process. And so here's the turning point of the match. It's a neck breaker between the ropes, which always looks nasty, by the way. Yeah. Always looks. It never fails to look nasty. And so Doug is works the neck for a little bit and then Kaz answers with a front suplex onto the ropes. He kicks Williams off into the guardrail. There's a slingshot cross body block to the outside uh, springboard slingshot spring sport springboard shotgun drop kick by Kaz. Um, Williams eventually misses with a clothesline as he's coming back swinging neck breaker by Kazarian for a near fall. Um, Williams then with the float over goes for the chaos theory, German suplex uh, Kaz rolls through into a cover for a two count. Eventually a backdrop to the apron by Kaz. Kaz is this beautiful slingshot DET for a near fall. Moments later, Williams whips Kaz. He ducks the clothesline springboard back elbow. Williams goes for a buckle bomb, misses the turnbuckle. This is one of the nastiest spots of the match. I thought Kazarian was legit concussed here. Because <laughs> he, he almost lands on his head. And uh, Williams then hits a version of the Ushi Garoshi where he drops like a suplex and drops him onto the, the neck onto the knee. And then Kaz counters the chaos theory, hits a blade runner for a near fall. Then there's a series of counters. Um, eventually pushes Kaz into the corner, does Doug Williams, rolls through, hits the chaos theory, German suplex, gets the bridge and the three count. And he's, and he's now the new X-Division champion. 
even though he never lost possession of the X division champion. But this also tells you that Kazarian was the X division champion, but never held the belt. See, I think a nice little uh, extra layer to the feud, to the story. Because again, you know, coming in, it's like, oh, wow, that's interesting, you know, having all those extra layers to it. Mm-hmm. I thought this was pretty good stuff. I I did feel, though, a little bit at the end here. I felt that, like, it seemed a little off after the buckle bomb attempt. I felt little, stuff was a little off. But they did a great job of hiding it, I thought. But I, they, oh, I, like, that, I like that story element of Kaz never holding the belt, too, as well. Oh, so you thought it was it was just a botch? Is that what you thought it was? Because I think Kaz was meant to hit the turnbuckle. Hmm. Because yeah, it was like you said, he just barely got it with his neck, or just missed. I don't know. It looked bad. It looked rough. Yeah. I gave I gave this match a B. What do you think, Jo? B plus. B plus. Did I like it? Yeah, I liked it. Was a little. Sorry. I was a little disappointed. It wasn't uh. X division match like I was assuming it was going to be, but you know, it was still good nonetheless. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's one of the best matches of the night for sure, along with the tag match. There's a lot of, there's, there, so this is a theme of this show, kind of. There's some good matches, but there's not like on this show, there's not one just great one that just stands out here. There's some, there's some good ones, and then there's some ones that are just there pretty much, mm-hmm. which makes the show kind of yeah, pretty much. But uh, we, we cut backstage to Desmond Wolf and Chelsea and explains nothing's changed. Chelsea's freaking out. Desmond says, your mind, remember that. He wants the ring. So this match is coming up, and not this coming match, but the following match will be. He wants the Hall of Fame ring from Abyss. Desmond says, you're sorely amiss if, he, if she thinks about it's about her. Um, he's talking about he needs to win because the rankings are coming out this week. And calls Abyss a window licker. Calls Abyss a window licker. That's is- funny. You. That's funny you say that because I wrote I wrote that down too. Like, interesting insult. I've <laughs> never heard that one before. I was I was I was like, wow, that's that's creative. That's the first time I've heard somebody get called a window licker in wrestling. Right, because uh, and I was thinking, is that a because, you know, I didn't look it up, but I tried guessing. Like he's. British? Oh yeah, yeah. Or he wrestled for Ring of Honor. He wrestled for Ring of oh, Honor. He's he yeah, he's had he's he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Yeah, I was thinking like, okay, maybe it's a British insult, but yeah, I you know I've never heard that before. So yeah, I got an, I got a little chuckle out of that when I heard him say that. But, but yeah, he is British. He he was he's a commentator, he was a commentator for NXT, if you remember. NXT UK or NXT? NXT. He was. I think he's NXT UK now, but okay. He's a fantastic professional wrestler. He was a fantastic professional wrestler, but I, he had hepatitis C, which forced him to retire. Mm. But coming up, non-related to any disease, uh, oh. Tara versus Madison Rain for the TNA Knockout Championship. Madison Rain, the current champion, career versus title. And the lead up to this one, it's Feast or Fired which is a TNA thing. I don't think you're very familiar with it, J.O., but there's these, like, so we have a winner of these matches. Like, it's this big group match. So these winners who get, they'll get, they get to pick a case. They'll either have a title shot, a title, 
or they're fired, like legitimately fired. It's money in the bank. Yeah, it's pretty much a carbon copy of money in the bank, except it sucks. When I saw the, 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 you're not wrong. I'll agree with you there. And when I saw the video package where it looks, yeah, because isn't that how she won the title? She just happened to pick the right briefcase? Like, uh, no, it was uh, Angelina Love won the title. And then Madison Rain won it from her at the, uh, pay, the lockdown pay-per-view. Okay, but the, uh, okay, so, but the, the point I was trying to say was they, get, they can get the title just by picking the right briefcase. In that situation, yes, it was the dumb. That was so stupid. That's horrible. You want to demean what it means to win a championship by having it be lucky like that? To give you, to give you background, J.O., Vince Russo was on creative at this point. Think about that. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> oh, let's, pu- let's put the title in the briefcase, bro. Uh, let's put the title in the briefcase on the uh, bro. That's just, it's going to get heat, man. Bro, heat. Put the knockouts championship the in the briefcase. In the briefcase. Like, are you going to win it by putting on an epic match with great storytelling, great ring performing? Or man, are you just going to pick man. the right briefcase? Nah, I'm just going to pick the briefcase. I was going to pick the briefcase. That was... <laughs> anyway... So I digress. Tara, yeah, I digress. Tara has been incredibly aggressive recently. She's saying she hasn't gotten respect from anybody. She's not going to get it un- unless she has the title. And she has a pet tarantula with her. And then we get this thing called let the pigeons loose when the, the beautiful people show up, which is Lacey Von Eric, uh, Madison Rain, and Velvet Sky. And so this, this is the point we're at where we're at in wrestling, but <laughs> but TNA did I, I give TNA a lot of credit because they did they were really the first one to really give a crap about their women's division with Gail Kim and Awesome Kong right I, I, I do remember that part of TNA though is it is almost almost universally agreed upon that yeah TNA when it came to its women's wrestlers kind of pioneered the fact that yeah, their women's wrestlers were going to take them seriously. And, you know, we're going to give them the respect. And it, it, Gail Kim, Hall of Famer for TNA, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, yep, yep. And she works there now and part of a creative. So it's, she had, she had a, a match back, what, two, three years ago. It was, and she, that was a retirement match, and she freaking killed it. One of the most uh, underrated women's talents ever, to be honest. And WWE completely dropped the ball on her, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Right. I was going to say another one of those t- uh, WWE didn't know what they had and lost it. They had one of the best women's wrestlers in the world at that point, and they couldn't figure out what the heck to do with it. Just the, yeah, just the same old story, different day, pretty much. But mm-hmm. this match only goes about six minutes, six and a half minutes. Um, Tara goes for the widow's peak early. Uh, Madison backdrops Tara to escape. Uh, Tara kicks Madison off. Then cuts Madison's legs out from underneath her on the apron, pushes Madison into the ring post. Rain hits a sunset flip for a near fall. And there's this roll through pin counters that are not looking so pretty here. They were trying, but it was not looking pretty. But I'll, yeah. I got to give them credit here. Crowd was into this. 
I was really a little surprised of how into it they were getting. Again, I, there's a little there's a little bias in me because, you know, a lot of these wrestlers I've never heard of really or kind of forgot about them. Um, with Tara, I do remember she was in WWE as a... Uh, um, Victoria. Victoria, yes. She was uh, Victoria. And in a few of the episodes of TNA that I would catch or not even a few of the episodes, a few parts of the episodes that I would watch. I remember Tara. She, you know, had the, the uh, arachnid, which I thought was gross because I hate spiders. Yeah, I do too. But yeah, yeah again, I, I have that little bit of a bias. Like, yeah, I don't really care too much about this match. So wasn't really into it. But then when I saw, you know, the crowd getting into it, so I was like, oh, okay, they're doing their thing. I was, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. And then it was actually after uh, the suplex into a guillotine by Tara, which was a cool transition, I'd say. That was that was a pretty cool transition. That was when the crowd mm -hmm. noted, I was like, this crowd's actually pretty into this match. So eventually Madison begs off Tara with kicks. She ducks a clothesline, hits some forearms, and a kick to the face. And it was so weird because Madison reigns a heel at this point, I'm pretty sure. And it looks like she was trying to – do a baby face comeback as a heel, which made absolutely no sense. It confused me beyond belief. I'm always confused anyway, but this was even confusing, more confusing. But uh, Rain goes for arm breaker, back breaker kind of finish on Tara. Tara counters with the clothesline. She goes for the Widow's Peak. Madison counters. Tara eventually hits the Widow's Peak. Madison rolls out to the floor. Tara hits a scoop slam. Tara hits a beautiful top rope moonsault. Tara stomps Madison again, misses the second moonsault. I thought they were going a little overboard here with the finisher kickouts. Then Madison does hit the shoulder breaker, a neck breaker thing to retain at six minutes and 28 seconds. Thought this was a bit clunky. I thought the last two or three minutes of this was like actually pretty good. There were pretty good stuff here. But I, like I said just moments ago, I felt like Rain got way too many kickouts. And I hate it when that always happens in uh, – actually, I don't even say WWE. I'd say even in AEW. AEW, I feel, is more guilty of this than WWE is finishers or special moves. They don't do anything anymore. NXT especially back in the day. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll, yeah, NXT. Um, but – yeah, there were a few times in the match where I thought, I was like, okay, that was it. That was the move. But then, no, they kicked out. Like, what? Like, after the moon's first moon, so after the widow's peak, I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then she gets the moon salt, kicks out. I'm like, what? Yeah. I was like, that's a little much here, but I gave it a C. Plus. I thought, like, even though it was a bit clunky, the crowd was into it, which added to the atmosphere to it. I didn't like the retirement angle at all because she ends up coming back in October. For she wrestles at Bound for Glory in October. Excuse me, in October. I, I was gonna say that too. I forgot to mention where when I learned it was gonna be like a retirement match. I was looking at both of the wrestlers. None of these, none of the, neither of the wrestlers looked like they were on the edge of retirement. So I'm thinking this probably wasn't gonna happen. Like even if she did lose and would have to retire. I didn't think it was going to stick. And as you just said, it didn't. So um, I gave it a, I gave it a C just to see. Okay. Fair grade. Fair grade to say the least. We get some thank you chair, Tara chance. Um, she had some time to herself and then TNA security is trying to get her out of the ring. 
And like I said, this was was gonna this wouldn't be the last match she had. I'm pretty sure she's still wrestling to this day. Tara is. But uh, we get Christy Hemi backstage with the band, Eric Young and the new TNA tag champs, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, which they used, I'm pretty sure they used those Feast and Fire, Feast or Fire briefcases to win those titles. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Young said he joined this group because everybody else is wannabes or pretenders. He says there's more money standing together than being nose to nose. And Hall was talking about how he doubted Young back. Young initially says he stepped it up. He tells him it ain't, friend, ain't show friends, it's show business. Nash says they're going to do this Freebird style, so three, all three guys are going to hold the tag titles. And he tells Ink Ink, you guys got a great future, but tonight, not, but not tonight. Eric Young says he'll get the beers on ice backstage. I don't like this Young pairing with Hall and Nash at all. He's at this point, so Eric Young, they tried to make Eric Young a serious character in 2009. Which he, which for most of his run was no, he was kind of known as a comical character, pretty much comedy character. So like this drastic switch, I don't know if it really worked then. Now it works. He's pretty good now, but like back then, it was kind of hard to take him seriously. And I'll say this though, it was, it was definitely interesting to see Kevin Nash and Scott Hall in a wrestling ring at this point in their careers. Because they were late. They well, I know Kevin was in his what was 2010. He's like 62 or three now. So yeah, he this that's 12. He's like in his 50s here. Hall Hall is. I mean that how well Nash and Hall, I think they're they're both probably in their 50s here. Yeah. But, but yeah. R.I.P. Scott Hall. R.I.P. Had, had to throw that in there. Had to throw that in there, man. Man, that was that's one of the greatest redemption stories you'll ever hear, too, with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Oh, you're good. So in the lead up to this, Ink Inc. beat Team 3D to earn this match. The band comes out with it's pretty the music they came out with is practically a carbon copy of the NWO Wolfpack theme, just without the lyrics. Yep, I kind of caught that too. Which you know, I wasn't too mad about. It's I like the theme. I it's thought, pretty. It's pretty dope. So this match doesn't go super long. Really, goes about nine minutes. Um, Paul gets he, he throws the toothpick at uh, more to start, and then more slaps Hall. Um, he's working the shoulder, slaps more in the head. More gets a roll up for an early near fall. Uh, clothesline in one corner, Shannon counters the second. Moore hits a, eventually it's a spinning leg lariat for a near fall. Moore keeps throwing up the rock signs or whatever. Um, too sweet. Too, and he's not doing a too sweet there. <laughs> but uh, Hall does his signature point, then tags in Nash. He says he wants Jesse Neal. Then Nash just destroys Jesse Neal in the corner, high knees and elbows. He then puts his boot in Neil's throat. He clotheslines Neil with the ref's back turned at one point. Neil starts a little bit of a comeback after an ob- abdominal stretch where uh, Nash uses the left. Uh, Hall uses Nash for leverage. He hits Hall with the hip toss, but he misses the elbow drop. Nash then misses 
clothesline in the corner. Nat Hall gets the tag. Not Hall just gets the tag, but Shannon Moore gets kind of the lukewarm tag because the crowd's not super into this. Uh, Moore hits a crossbody on Nash. Rolling neck breaker off the second rope by Neil, which was pretty cool. High crossbody to Hall on the outside. Neil charges Nash for the spear. Nash moves. Neil crashes into the ref, into the corner, so we get some shenanigans going on here. So Eric Young comes out with a kendo stick, tosses it to Nash. Neil ducks a couple of shots. Neil takes Young off the apron, and then Nash just takes more off the apron with it. He clubs him. Nash then Neil then spears Nash. Young takes the kendo stick before Brother Ray comes in, and then decks Young in the head, taking the kendo stick from him. Drill like yeah, he just like clubs Young in the head with this thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ray just yeah, he it was no holding back. He just drilled him in the head. And then Ray trash talks Nash in the ring. Neil tells Ray enough. And then Jesse Neal gets clobbered by Brother Ray with the with the kendo stick. And then teacher taking out the student because Ray, background story a little bit. Ray trained, Ray and Devon trained Jesse Neal. And uh, so Young drags Nash onto the top of the Neal for the pin at eight minutes and 47 seconds. I thought this match had way too much going on. This match had too much gaga BS going on. They, I, I thought they were having an okay match at that point up until like all that crap kicked in. Well, see, I, I think I actually kind of disagree with you on that one because to me, this one felt kind of clunky because mm-hmm. I don't really think Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were – I mean, of course, they weren't at their best considering, you know, their age and where they are right now at the time of, you know, this match. So it it didn't mesh well with me, like to me at least. So having this little bit of excitement at the end, I actually kind of enjoyed Okay. Yeah, I was on the flip end of that, but I gave it a C. I gave it a C. This one I gave a C plus. So our last two grades have been flip-flopped. Interesting. Interesting. So eventually, so this is one of the most, I'm noticing this, this is a theme as I'm looking at my notes here. After this match, so there's more stuff going on with Desmond Wolf and Chelsea and all this, because we finally get the video package. This is one of the most prominent storylines on the entire show, which I don't understand prominent? why. I say one of the most prominent and one of the most outrageous storylines. Yeah, this is one of the stupidest. This is crap. So this incident, the allegations and the aftermath is what they're talking about. And apparently these were all fake because Lacey Von Eric, who was a heel at that time, shows Hulk Hogan a the phone evidence of Chelsea and Desmond kind of making this up, creating this scenario and everything. So this match, it's ring versus Chelsea. So if Desmond <laughs> Wolf wins, Desmond Wolf gets the gets Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring that Abyss is wearing. And then so and if Abyss wins, he gets the services of Chelsea for a month. What even is that? Because this, you, 2010, right? Yeah. This sounds like something WWE did back in the early 2000s with with the custody of Dominic kind of match thing, you know? Like just this outrageous, 
I was watching the the video package, paying, listening to what you know, everything that was that unfolded up to this point, and I just couldn't help but think to myself, really, like this is what's happening. Like it was just crazy to think that this they were doing stuff like this still in 2010. And this is Abyss was gifted, like I said, Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring, so it gave him the Hulk power of the Hulkster, the Hulkster man. <laughs> which I don't understand why Abyss needed that at that point, really. Wait, was it his Was it his WWE Hall of Fame ring? Yes, it was. Oh, wow. And they acknowledged that. They didn't say it was a WWE Hall of Fame ring. They just said it was uh, a, hall, a Hall of Fame ring. And he was only been in one Hall of Fame up to this point. So, yeah, that put two and two together. So. Uh, so here we go. Here's the match. I didn't hate this match, by the way. I actually didn't think it was bad. I, it was okay, nothing special, but so we get Abyss jumping Wolf from behind before he even finishes his entrance. Chelsea tries to get away, but the ref forces her to sit down in the seat and watch this match. Which I thought was also kind of weird. Yeah, this is WCW had this sort of thing back in the day. Like this was not even not like during the Russo era of that, but it was like the mid early to mid nineties. They did that weird thing where they'd sit on the ramp. Never understood it, but Chelsea tried to use the purse on it, use the purse on Abyss. Desmond knocks Abyss out of the ring, and then he's working the shoulder. That's kind of the theme of the match. He works the shoulder, and Chelsea's acting here is awful. Yeah, I wasn't into it at all. Like, I it wasn't believable. I mean – she, you know, she's not an Oscar-winning actress by any means, but even though, even at the bare minimum, you have to at least make me believe like you're afraid, but I just wasn't believing it. Like, I wasn't buying all. it either. Like, it was, it was terrible. It was, it was pretty bad. She yeah. was trying, but it was, it was not good. So Abyss, eventually, he's working his comeback. He Googles Wolf. Wolf snaps the arm and hits a DDT for a near fall. Hits this cross chop in the corner, which was kind of cool. Um, there's a big running European uppercut in the corner by Wolf. This is actually not the comeback for Abyss, but actually it does. It starts to come back because he goes for the running clothesline, does Wolf. Abyss counters. Wolf goes for a ricochet clothesline. Chelsea has the purse. She tosses it over to Wolf. Abyss grabs Chelsea. Ref stops him. Wolf now has the brass knuckles and drills him with them. But Ref was checking in on Chelsea, so he's late to make the cover. Abyss kicks out of kicks out. He hulks up. This is this is where the comeback happens. I mean, but he does the Hulk Hogan U point, right hands to Wolf, black hole slam. One, two, three, game over. The Hulk Hogan formula to end the match. This was if you look at this match, this is really the Hulk Hogan formula. He gets beat up for ninety nine percent of the match, and then just hits some punches and a, a big move, and it's game over. Go home at nine minutes and twenty seven seconds. It was first off. First off, I want to say you know I was Abyss was one of the wrestlers I knew of when I first you know heard of TNA. Was all, I always liked the idea of his character, you know, mankind esque, Kane esque. And I was you know when I was younger, I always thought I was like, man, it would it'd be cool to see Abyss in the WWE. But it was weird seeing a character like that do the Hulk Hogan thing. Was that was that just me or was it? It was incredibly ill fitting. Right? It was it was weird. 
like this match, I thought it was fine. They told a simple show, a simple story with the shoulder. I thought that was, that was part was fine. It was just a ridiculous stipulation added on to this into the first place. I thought they had a decent match though. I just, and now biscuits, the church services of Chelsea for a month. And this, 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 by the way, J.O. is a far cry from what Desmond Wolf was doing at this, at, at uh, a little earlier on in his run in TNA. But uh, I gave this match a C plus. I gave this one a C plus too. But I was going to tell you about Desmond Wolf. So he had this series of matches with Kurt Angle back in later 2009 that were freaking bangers. But then he has them, they uh, have him doing this. <laughs> Um, I guess I, I was gonna find another. I was gonna find a way to ask you this, but 2000 was it 2008 to 2012 was TNA's golden era? Like, cause this would be right. I think 05 to 07 probably. Oh wow, okay. Cause 07 08 maybe 08 probably. Oh, wait. Okay, so this was even way past the golden times for, for TNA then. Once Hogan and Bischoff came into power, it, stuff went downhill. I, well, they showed up, I mean. I don't know if they really were super much, a bunch of power, but they had been a little, at least a little bit of power. But Bischoff and Hogan took over, and this kind of place kind of went downhill, like when they showed up. But Okay. Because they went from was six not- sides to four sides, all that stuff. Oh, in regards to the ring? Yeah. That was going to be my next question because TNA was, you know, one of the things I knew about TNA was they, you know, wanted to be different. So they had the octagon or octagon? How many sides? Hexagon. Hexagon. Was never the best math student. Geometry. <clears throat> Geometry. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, TNA was known for their hexagon, hexagonal ring. So when I started watching, like, oh, it's... Only four four sides, because I remember there was that table of three where AJ Sting and I think it was Kurt were talking about it. So I was there's just something I wanted to ask because I was curious about was you know when they stopped slash started using that. So they started using okay. it when Hogan showed up. They went to four sides. Okay. Which, All right. Yeah, and they tried to go to Mondays. <laughs> Two horrible ideas. Oh, I don't think the ring was so much of a bad idea. It was the Going to Mondays was a bad idea. At the beginning, I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I realized as you got older, you're like, that was the biggest. They had they weren't even close to ready to do that at all. Not even close. Far cry. Far cry. After that, though, we get probably one of the we get the best promo of the night for Mr. Anderson. Because we got an upcoming match, Jeff Hardy versus Mr. Anderson. Anderson calls for his own mic. He gets the drop down. He calls Christy Kristen. He says the Hardys are the creatures of the night. And they say they're pretty, well, it says Hardy's creatures of the night are pretty cool. And then he asks Christy, he's like, could I be the creature? Could I be a creature? It's like, picture it. Let's go, Hardy. Let's go, Hardy. This is awesome. And then Christy said, yeah, then Mr. Anderson says, nah. Because he asked, yeah, he does ask Christy if he could be a creature of the night, and then he's just doing some funny shit here. Um, he does doesn't want or need to do that because he's an asshole. See, Anderson, I like to. 
I, I liked um I mean Mr. Anderson is the same character as Mr. Kennedy, if I'm not mistaken, right? So pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I and Mr. Kennedy was a good character for him, so Mr. Anderson not liked as well. And he calls his fan base Anderson's assholes. <laughs> And this is where Anderson's starting to like he's transit. This is a transition where he's going from heel to baby face because he just had a really epic steel cage match with Kurt Angle at lockdown the previous month. Go check that out, by the way. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. Please go check that out. It's a great cage match with a crazy spot in there. But uh, he'll say the winner of the match tonight. We're moving back into his promo, Mr. Anderson. And then he does. He has this craziest thing ever. It's like, Anderson! Right in Christy's ear. Like, in Christy's face is classic because she is like, what the hell just happened? Well, it was, it was great. Great stuff here. And this next match had some pretty good stuff in it, I thought. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Mr. Anderson's the next match on the show. And uh, today is talking about in the lead up to this, he's talking about Anderson's growth during his uh, through his matches with Angle. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, eventually, we get we are assholes chance during this match as well. Jeff did the week leading up to this match. Swanton Anderson threw a table, so he jumped off the uh, stage and Swanton Anderson threw a table. Um. So Jeff's midsection does get worked because he hits, he goes for the cardiac arrest in the corner, which is that double boot to the chest, which always looks nasty. So yeah. and Anderson kicks him in the chest, but then eventually Hardy gets back into a comeback. He eats a kitchen, kitchen sink for a near fall. And then uh, the spot of the match is after Hardy fights out of an abdominal stretch and gets crotched on a top rope. But Hardy then backdrops Anderson onto the ramp. He grabs a steel chair, sets it up on the ramp in front of Anderson. And Anderson has his ribs taped too here. So I, that's underrated. We need we need more people taping their ribs in wrestling anymore. That's That's got to happen. But uh, Anderson grabs a chair on the ramp, not Anderson, but Hardy grabs a chair, sets it on the ramp in front of Anderson, gets a running start, hops off the chair, hits a poetry in motion, knocking Anderson over the top rope back into the ring. That was a great, that was a great spot. High spot. Anderson sold it really, really well. It, it looked like it had some impact to that. And I think also a lot of credit to how they film filmed or showed it on the camera it it looked like it hurt and yeah that was it was one of those moments you know you're watching and you go ooh <laughs> that was one of those moments for me it was really good and then we get anderson and hardy back into the ring uh he whips anderson in the corner does the clothesline into a bulldog which matt does uh hits goes for the gourd buster uh anderson counters with a roll through fireman's carry slam for a near fall calls for the mic check underrated finisher by the way uh, Hardy hits an elbow. Anderson sends Hardy throat first into the ropes. Anderson does hit the mic check. Hardy, then this is one of the little off spots in the match, I noticed. That was the one spot where they were kind of, eh, because it was, I think Hardy was supposed to be closer to the ropes when he kicked out, 
because he had to kick out and grab the rope. Mm. If you notice, he had to kick toward like kick towards the rope to go grab the rope, which kind of threw, that was uh, I think may have been a minor botch. Because yeah, if you what's the point of grabbing the rope if you already kicked out? And that I saw that too, which was my which was my first thought. Like, why did he grab the rope? He kicked out already. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Jeff then hits the front suplex gourd buster on uh, Anderson because he kicks uh, he kicks Anderson with that signature spin through kick he does moments before he heads to the top changes his mind Jeff hits some right hands hits the twist of fate he heads up top again Anderson cuts him off Anderson then goes for the Green Bay plunge uh, Jeff elbows his way out Anderson just falls forward face first off the top rope with Jeff. Then Jeff climbs up for a third time. They're, they're building up to the swanton. They're building up to the swanton. Jeff hits a swanton, which I, I love the way they did this here. It was on to Anderson's back, but he was on all fours. You don't see that a whole lot. I don't think I've ever seen that other than that match. And he hit that at 13 minutes and 57 seconds to get the win. But I, I love that that ending, that that way they way they use the Swanton in that situation. And another way, another credit to the filming, didn't they show it from a bird's eye view when he landed it? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's something I noticed that I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, it you don't see that a whole lot, so I definitely noticed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I gave this a B grade. I gave it a B. So I thought this was a pretty fun match. Crowd seemed really into this. Uh, the poetry and the motion with the chair was awesome. The swanton at the end. I like that they didn't go with the typical swanton. I like that they were playing off the uh, injured rib cage of Anderson with it, like with Jeff hitting it on his back. Um, I like the the work Anderson did as well. Um, I th- this is so I guess they had three way rates for the best match of the night so far at this point. I gave it a B, like you said, like I said just minutes ago, a minute ago. Um, what are your What are your grades for? What are your grade? What is your grade for? I mean, Cheo. I gave it a B minus. It would It would be a B. However, I could not get past Jeff Hardy's short hair. I'm not used to seeing him like oh that. Oh my gosh! You're lowering the grade for the short hair. It was hard to get past. Every time I've seen Jeff Hardy for years and years and years, he had the long hair, sometimes in a bun, and he had just had, you know, this bold-looking cut. Just wasn't used to it. Couldn't couldn't get past it. I'm sorry. Mark this date on so your calendars, cool. ladies and gentlemen. Jo <laughs> took a letter part of a letter grade down for a match because of someone's hair. That's a first. I mean, it's it was just too jarring. I'm sorry. Like it's 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 as close to a B you can actually be without being a B. That's the grade it has. Oh, uh, man, I can't believe you, man. But Anderson, after the match, holds his fist out. Uh, he's trying to extend it to Hardy. Hardy declines the handshake. It would eventually lead them to teaming up at Slammiversary against Beer Money as the enigmatic assholes. Great Ooh. tag team name, by the way. Clever. <laughs> and then we get Chris, not Chris, but Ric Flair and AJ talking with Christy backstage. He's talking about RVD having no business representing this company. 
RVD won the title on a fluke. And then we'll win it for Flair because he deserves to be surrounded by greatness. That's what you see here. That's why he was the longest reigning champ. That's Flair, what Flair said. And then we get the Sting and Jeff Jarrett video package. And it's Sting versus Jeff Jarrett next, which is not really a match. It's more of an absolute beatdown. I would agree. But the story leading into this is Sting returning, uh, attacking Hogan, says he doesn't owe Dixie an explanation. Sting isn't giving Hogan and Sting and uh, Hogan and Dixie an answer. This is a very personal feud between Jarrett and Sting. Why Sting? Why is the question? Jarrett's music hits as we go to the match. No entrance. Cut to backstage with Sting already bloodying him with his signature baseball bat and throwing him to lockers. Eventually, Sting drags him onto the entrance ramp and takes Jarrett towards the broadcast area. Gets blood on the pay-per-view format, by the way. Nice touch. Um, Sting drags Jarrett towards the ring, slams him into the guardrail. No, Bell hasn't even Bell, there's no Bell yet. And uh, Sting owes it to himself. Yeah, Dixie Carter in the fan in the TNA fan base. Sting owes it to himself. Sting owes it to himself, the TNA fan base, and Dixie Carter. That's what they said on commentary. Sting gets the ring steps, sets them up, lays Jarrett over them. Sting with the baseball bat shot to the back of Jeff's leg. He traps Jeff's shoulder on the ring steps with the bat and then stomps on the injured shoulder, adding more insult to injury. And ref says he wants it in the ring, so Sting obliges, ragdolls Jarrett into the ring. Both men in, bell rang. Scorpion death drop by Sting. Game over. 14 seconds, I think. Under It's under 15 seconds. This is an angle, not a match. I'm not giving it a grade. But Sting was incredibly aggressive here. Yeah, my grade was N.A., not al- uh, applicable as well. But it's not often we see Sting as, well, I guess, like as a heel in this situation, right? Yeah, and eventually, really, it was he was the baby face when you when you find out later on in all of this. Because you know, Sting, he's been like a career baby face. So yeah, it was, mostly. Uh, yeah, it was definitely interesting for me to see this side of Sting because I haven't seen a whole lot of him. Mm-hmm. So Sting on the after the match gets on the mic and says, "Want to play the deception game, Jeff? You're no different than." Than the other guys, Jeff, and they're going to pay the same way you did tonight. And so Sting is on a mission here. So he's we not get, happy. He's not happy. Then we get medical and personnel and refs out to check on Jeff. Jeff's screaming about his dislocated shoulder. He's placed on the stretcher. Jeff does a good job selling here, by the way. Uh, Sting walks out of the ring. Sting just knocks Jeff off the stretcher like a jerk to add more insult to injury. Hogan then comes out on the ring ramp and then Sting cowers away and he follows the EMTs out to get Jeff Jarrett out of the building and to a local medical into a local medical facility. I just threw that last part in. <laughs> I mean, we'd assume it's a local medical facility. They don't call it a hospital in wrestling. 
But following that, we get RVD backstage with Christy saying this belt means something to him because he stands for everything this belt stands for. Best wrestler, coolest, most popular, Mr. TNA. RVD says, let him complain. With RVD as champ, more fans will watch and will also tune in to see him get AJ get his ass kicked. So leading into this match, RVD wins the TNA World Championship. So at lockdown, T, uh, Je- not Jeff, AJ Styles defends the, the championship against the Pope D'Angelo De Niro, also known as Elijah, Elijah Burke, formerly known as Elijah Burke. And RVD mm-hmm. is in the lethal lockdown match. He wins the TNA, uh, TNA Impact following that on Monday. RVD wins the TNA World Championship from AJ Styles, ending what was the record at the time, 211 days. It was a record title reign for AJ. But we get the match. AJ Styles versus RVD for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. This was supposed to – they were building this up as a pretty big matchup, felt like. TNA World Heavyweight Championship, it's the rematch. Boy, did this kind of underwhelm. Say, on paper, this sounds like an awesome match, considering, you know, their wrestling styles. This, you, you know, you'd think they'd mesh super well together. But we got way, okay, we've got, we got way too much posing to start. Uh, <laughs> this part, the first five minutes angered me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you got to think, you know, with AJ Styles and how, you know, his abilities to go, and then, you know, Rob Van Dam, he can go. Yeah, you'd think, you know, from the get-go, they'd go. But that part I'd agree with you on, like, you know, just like you'd want them to just let them do themselves, but for some reason they didn't right away? I don't understand what the they, – they would have just let him go. That's they didn't need all this necessary crap at the beginning with this posing by RVD and all of this. Like I felt like this match lacked a lot of focus. There's still a few decent spots though, still, right? Oh yeah, I I agree with that, but this match could have been 300 times better than it was. See, I agree with you there. I mean, because you know, there's still I mean, on paper, Art Rob Van Dam versus AJ Styles, awesome idea. Let's do it. But it just didn't. The execution was bad. Execute. Yep, that's uh, that's a good way to say it. They okay. they just didn't execute. The execution, I'll say subpar. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't bad. It was just subpar. So we so so like I said, the five first five minutes is a bunch of nothing. Eventually, we do get an RVD connecting on a moonsault. More posing from RVD. AJ misses a springboard. RVD goes for the rolling thunder. Ric Flair pulls RVD's leg out. Earl Hebner kicks him out. And Flair's losing his mind, like usual, throwing a Flair fit. By the way, what are your thoughts on him having another match? Ric Flair? Yes. 
Wait, are we talking about he him having another match in 2010 or no? This now year? he's literally going to have a match. I don't know about that. How how long has this been talked about? Just this week or last week and this week. Oof, please, Flair. I would not recommend it. Me, the Ricky Steamboat didn't agree to do the match with him because that was one of the ideas, but he decided not to. So I'm fine. I don't really want to see it, to be honest. No, neither do I. I like the song they played during Flair's retirement. Leave the memories alone. <laughs> Please leave the memories alone, Ric Flair. You could have just you could have just ended it with Shawn Michaels and just stopped. But you <laughs> couldn't. You couldn't stop there. I digress though. Let's get back into the match a little bit. Because Flair eventually joined Flair moments later just joins comment the commentary booth, but she's not ejected from oh, this 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 ringside rule they call, remember? Like the Damian Priest match we talked about last week, last time on last episode for WrestleMania Backlash. He wasn't at ringside. Flair was not at ringside, he was at the commentary booth. He wasn't, he wasn't ringside. That's that's uh, the freaking stupidest thing I've ever heard. But yeah. all right, we finally actually get some wrestling here because AJ knocks RVD off the apron, hits a beautiful tope con hello. That was great. And so AJ eventually is gloating. He's kind of being trying to be a mini Ric Flair here. AJ's working the neck of RVD. And RVD whips AJ into the corner, gets the boot up, tornado DDT by AJ, gets a near fall. RVD's sell the DDT is always great. Mm-hmm. Um, like now RVD is focusing on AJ's neck here. Beautiful thrust kicked out of the corner by AJ, by RVD. I said at this point, Flair wasn't really enhancing the match with his commentary. He does do one at one point here in just a few moments. Um, at one point, RVD monkey flips AJ out of the corner. AJ got some elevation there, though. That was that was cool. It was nice seeing uh, this version of AJ Styles. Oh yeah, oh, still, yeah. Big, still going still strong. Big, still going strong. Still going strong. Over 12 years later, performing at an incredibly high level. Um, so he, RVD hits the monkey flip. He does his taunt on the top rope, misses with the frog splash. Flair is one moment of commentary where, where he actually enhances the matches by saying the taunt takes way too much time. <laughs> Not wrong. So AJ hits the phenomenal forearm for a near fall. Um, jaw RVD, it's a jawbreaker. They get some standing switches. AJ hits a Pele kick. Eventually, RVD crotches AJ on the top rope. It hits a thrust kick on him. AJ hits a AJ at one point, really cool move, th- uh, the torture rack submission to the power bomb. Always love that. 
AJ goes for the Styles Clash. They expect, change some pin covers. They go double down on a couple of charging clotheslines. AJ, at a, a turning point, AJ hits a goes for a springboard 450, completely misses, and this incenses Flair, and he gets angry and heads back up towards the ring, and Jay Lethal shows up. Which, to give you some background, J.O., so Jay Lethal's kind of impersonating Ric Flair at this point. Right. So I do remember Jay Lethal and his uh, his woos, man. Just as good, if if not better, than Ric Flair's damn near. Woo- wooing off with Ric Flair. Yeah. But they exchange strikes on the ramp. This is where the match gets diverted a little bit, the, the attention. This is what I was saying. This match kind of lacked some focus for most of it. Flair does get the better of him. Lethal hits him with a low blow, puts a figure four leg lock on him on the ramp. Back in the ring, AJ cuts RVD off as he was heading up top. AJ goes for a superplex. RVD drives AJ throat first into the top rope, hits the frog splash, and we head home with RVD retaining at 24 minutes and 47 seconds. I gave this match uh, a B minus. Like I said, I did not like how unfocused this match was. I just wish it was more focused on the ring aspects. What they did in the ring was pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I gave it a B. AJ seeing AJ Styles like this is just so cool. His uh, the tope looked clean. The four fifty because I don't he doesn't do the tope anymore, does he? No, not anymore like that. Yeah, not like that. The he still does the four fifty, mm-hmm. but the four fifty in this match looked crisp, mm-hmm. really, really crisp, and it was nice to see. Yeah, anytime that you know they were able to get something going a little bit, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, they they it was good once they really start. I wish they wouldn't have wasted. They could have cut the first five minutes out, and it would have been an okay match. Really good match. Yeah, it was. I mean, for a main event at this uh, kind of pay-per-view, it was, I think it was the best match of the night. I was going to say it was either the Doug Williams-Kazarian match or the tag match. I, I personally like the tag match the best out of probably anything on this show. The triple tag match. Right? Yeah, the triple threat tag match. I think it was probably the best thing on the show. It's just because TNA's tag division at that time was red hot. And so I, that's that, one my, what? that one would have been my close second, the triple threat tag match. Very close second to me. Yeah. There was a, see like overall this show, looking at taking a look at the, the whole package of this show, there was some good stuff. There was some good stuff, but there was also some stuff that I really could care less for. Yeah. I, I, I if you're, you know, going to do, good versus the bad i think there was a little more bad than there was good on this one yeah i I, i'd have to agree with that so with that being said uh, i'd give it a c plus i'd be in that range c plus b minus leaning towards the c plus like honestly for me like a show for a show to be uh average to okay it's a b typically for me 
Like it, it, like it has to be, it has to be pretty. Like if I have to go below B, it's not typically very good. I mean, I'd, pr- I'd probably how I'd rate them, how, how you rate peer reviews is probably the same as me. If you know, if at the end of it, I'm counting out how many matches I really, really liked. If more of them are going to be good, it's going to be a B or above. But with this one, you know, it's not enough for me. I think I had like three or four matches that were, I thought were good, good. Nothing was great. Say I'd have the three, the triple threat, uh, of course, AJ Styles and Ravadam in the Kazarian match. Mm -hmm. And what else? Oh, you already okay. So AJ Styles, oh. AJ Styles RVD, the tag match, and what? Uh, Kazarian. Okay, yeah, oh. got it. Yeah, got it. The, that I like. See, I I go with the Hardy tag match and uh, uh, Kazarian Doug Williams. Those three, I like those as well. But that's our thoughts on TNA Sacrifice 2010. This is the first TNA pay per view review we've done since it's at least been a Ever? couple of years i've done i've done two tna pay-per-views before which was tna slammiversary 2010 which is the pay-per-view following this interestingly um and then we've i've also done the bound for glory 2020 pay-per-view review i've done that as well so two tna pay-per-view reviews done on this show we'll do some more likely because there's some more up on youtube so we'll definitely head back into the realm of TNA. Maybe we will go into earlier TNA next time we do a TNA uh, pay-per-view review, part of our retro pay-per-view reviews here on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Uh, next time here on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, we will be discussing should CM Punk win the AEW world title at double or nothing? That's our topic of discussion because double or nothing at the time of this recording is just a little over a week away. And one of the most hyped world title matches that AEW's had in a while, Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk. It's the first time the TNA, not the TNA, the AEW World Championship match that like, it's kind of like, okay, who is actually going to win this match? Because it's like, and actually the winner of this match is in question. Typically, it hasn't been. It's been kind of predictable who's going to win. But here, it's like kind of, okay, you could go either way. But really, should Punk win the AEW World Championship at Double or Nothing? We'll discuss that next time here on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Before we go, J.O., drop your socials. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Ordas, all lowercase. And you can find Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Sig Daddy Wrestle and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. You can listen to other episodes of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Podbean, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And when you listen to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show and you like the show, make sure to give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify like RVD hitting that five-star frog splash on AJ Styles here. Make sure to leave Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time, this is Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund alongside J.O. saying thank you all for listening 
and so long, everybody.